Um, um, my name is Laura Thompson. I'm the children's ministry director here at Meadowland Church. So I'm excited this morning that I get to share some things that God's laid on my heart about conflict in our homes, because um, that's never easy. And so as I was preparing for this message, I was convicted as well on some things. And so I'm just really excited to share with you guys this morning about conflict that's going on in our homes, um, in our marriages, just all sorts of stuff. Conflict can, um, sorry, I have to get my notes. <laughs> okay, um, all sorts of things can cause conflict in our home, whether it's marriage, whether it's money, whether it's our kids, chores, friends, curfews, even about sometimes the different type of entertainment everybody wants to do. It causes conflict. There's all sorts of conflict. The question is this. Has anybody in this room ever heard the words, it's not fair? Anybody? Okay, awesome. Okay, because I was making sure. I thought I was the only one that heard that. <laughs> okay, it's not fair. When I, th when I think of conflict, I think of those words, it's not fair, because in my home, I hear that quite often. Not just for my kids, but maybe sometimes myself, I feel it's not fair. So with my two kids, I'll hear this. Mom, why do I have to go to bed and he gets to stay up and eat ice cream? It's not fair. You guys ever heard that before, parents at all? Okay. Another one would be, Mom, it's not fair that I have more chores to do on my list than she does. It's not fair. You guys ever heard that before? Maybe something like that, okay? Um, coming from a mom's point, maybe um, I feel it's not fair when I have to cook, clean, take care of kids, and work full time. Sometimes I feel it's not fair. So there's lots of stuff in our lives that it's not fair. Well, that, this last one really cracks me up because I can have a one of my kids, they got to, I let them extend extra five minutes on the video game. And the other kid will say, well, that's not fair. But the kid that gets the extra five minutes doesn't really complain that it's not fair. Because people don't complain about unfairness when the unfairness benefits them. Okay, that's my hair. Okay, <laughs> people do not complain about the unfairness when the unfairness benefits them. Stopped. Sorry. Okay, so think about this for a minute. Say you went to the pro bath shop and you bought this really cool fishing rod. Who likes to fish? Anybody like to fish in here? Okay. So you went to the pro bath shop and you bought this really cool fishing rod. And then the next day I went to the pro bath shop and saw that same fishing rod and it was 75 percent off. Now, I really probably wouldn't go and run and tell the manager, you know what, this isn't fair, because my friend was just here last yesterday and bought the same rod, so I don't think you should put this on clearance. Would you guys do that? No, we wouldn't. Or, wonder if you went, I went to the store, and then they marked up the fishing rod 75 percent, so it was actually even more expensive than my friend bought the rod for. 
But then I would be upset because all of a sudden I would feel that it's unfair. Why? Because when we feel like we have un, when we've been unfairly treated, we all of a sudden turn into a judge or an expert on what's fair and what's not. The same is true about forgiveness. When someone in our family forgives us, we are like really, really happy, right? When someone in your family forgives you, you're happy, right? Okay, sorry, I, I, I teach kids, so I'm just looking for some feedback there. Okay, so when someone in your family really forgives you, you feel happy because maybe you didn't even deserve to be forgiven, but when that person forgives you, you feel really happy. We never say, oh, that's not fair. You shouldn't forgive me, right? We're really excited because they've forgiven us. But when our family does things to hurt us, all of a sudden we turn into a judge, an expert on what's fair and what's not. See, most families think that forgiveness is a good idea, right? Would you all say that? Forgiveness is a good idea. But most families may also agree that not everything is forgivable. Like, for instance, when an offense, when someone's hurt you, that's really too serious. Maybe we have forgiven too much, so we're not going to this time. At what point are we simply enabling our family to keep doing the same hurtful things? Aren't there family members who just don't deserve forgiveness? Sometimes we feel that way. There's family members that just, or maybe there's an extended family member, or maybe you've got some close friends that you just feel that just does not deserve that forgiveness. Isn't there a time when it's best for us to repay a wrong doing as opposed to forgiving it? So if someone's hurt me, isn't it best to like just hurt them back? Isn't that what we're called to do? No, we're not. Not at all. In Romans 12, 17, uh, we're going to be in Romans, so if you want to open up your Bibles to Romans, I'm going to bounce around a couple verses. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you, so feel free to take that if you don't even have a Bible. But in Romans 12, 17, it says this, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So like I said, if someone's hurt us, we're not supposed to repay them and hurt them back, right? Don't pay evil for evil. If you're like me sometimes, though, I may ask the question, when should I forgive? I mean, do I, because when we're hurt, we do. We start to be that judge, we start to be that expert. But when should I forgive? Especially when I may be frustrated with what, my in-law may have said to me, because sometimes my in-laws say stuff before they even think about it, and sometimes those things can hurt. So should I forgive? Um, maybe when my kids constantly ignore me when I ask them to do something, and they choose to do something else and then come back and do it, should I forgive them with that? Or what about I let my son take my husband's fishing pole out with his friends, and then he brings it back broken. My husband's not real happy. Should he forgive me? Or what about when I let my son use, just go on my husband's truck and get a tool to fix his bike, and he doesn't put it back in the right place? Should be forgiven. 
How do you know when to choose and when not to choose forgiveness? In other words, how do you judge what's fair and, not, and what's not fair? Sometimes I think we put this forgiveness thing on a scale. So we have zero here, which means forgivable, and then we go all the way to 10, which means unforgivable. And I think sometimes we put forgiveness on a scale. Like, how do we score this offense? So say, for instance, um, I got hurt, someone hurt my feelings, so maybe I'd, you know, score them a five, right? And then maybe something else happens and I score that on a nine. But ultimately, we always have to be at the zero because that's forgivable, right? I don't think we're called to put forgiveness on a scale. So here's the good news. You ready for the good news? Awesome. Okay, the good news is that God doesn't put our offenses on a scale. He doesn't have this major scale up in heaven and saying, oh, this is a five. No, Laura, this was a six. You probably, no, he doesn't do that. Think about this for a minute. You and I try to put the seriousness of sin on a scale. We may even think that this is just, so for instance, Maybe we just tell this itty-bitty little white lie, okay? Or maybe we make a rude comment to somebody. That's not bad. But when God looks at sin, it is all serious and has the same consequence. So we shouldn't put it on a scale because a sin is a sin, right? So because here's the deal. God knows when all the things we do that we shouldn't because we have this huge God. God knows when all the things we don't do that we should do. God knows when the rude things we say to our family members, maybe extended family, we hang out with friends, you know, close friends, grandparents. Um, but God knows those rude things we say to them when we're upset or we, we've been hurt. He knows those things. Maybe he, kn- he even knows those things we think. God knows when what you do God knows what you do when no one's looking as well, right? Because he's all over the place. He knows. So if you can look up Romans 3.23, and we'll read that. Romans 3.23 tells us this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? Does anybody know what that means? Anybody? Sorry. It means we've messed up, right? We have all totally messed up and fallen short of God's standards. We've all messed up. And Romans 6.23 tells us because of our offenses, we deserve death. We deserve death because of what we do. That means that God sees all the sin the same. And the consequence for sin is what? Death. Yep. Consequence for sin is death. If anybody has a right to judge, who do you think that would be? God, right? God is the ultimate judge. He has every right to judge. So what does God do? Does he pick and choose what you did, if that's forgivable or if that's not forgivable? No, he extends his grace, his love, and forgiveness to the most extreme degree. Does anybody know what that is? Jesus, that's right. 
Jesus. If ever there were a person who didn't deserve forgiveness and who would be unfair to forgive, it was this guy by the name of Paul in the Bible. Does anybody know what he did? What did he do? Killed Christians. Yeah, he did. But the cool thing is in Acts 9, Jesus gets a hold of him, right? And everything changes for Paul. Well, it was Saul, then it's Paul. He realizes his sins are forgiven. He knew he didn't deserve it. But guess what? Some people that knew about Paul, what he did before, they thought it was unfair. How could he get all this forgiveness? That it was unfair. Like Paul was getting off the hook or something, right? It was unfair. How could he be forgiven? Look what he did. But God's forgiveness is real, and it changed Paul's life forever. So if you look at Romans 5.8, I'm going to go to Romans 5.8. And Romans 5.8 says this, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were totally undeserving of forgiveness, Jesus gave up his perfect life for you and for me. That's huge. That's way huge. So I have a little demonstration for you. Okay, I have this heart. So I'm going to need your help. Okay, so you're gonna, some of you are going to have to talk. All right, so I have this heart. And if, we, if you guys could just share um, what are some sins or conflict stuff that you deal with? Maybe at home, work, what are some sins and stuff you deal with? Lying. Okay? Cheating. What was that? Pride. Yep. Anger. What else? There's lots. What was that? Swearing. Coveting. What else? There's lots more out there. What else? Jealousy? Yeah? Okay. What? Stealing. Okay. So, can you guys see this? See the marks? Okay. Okay. So here's the deal. Jesus takes us. I mean, he died for us, right? Our sins. And what he does is... Oh, sorry. Got to mix it a little bit more. What he does is he completely forgives us of what we did. And can you see anything on here? Are you sure? There's no marks or anything on here. No. Okay. That's what Jesus did. I mean, he didn't die, but he's, and he didn't say, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm not going to die for that one, right? Or I'm not going to die for this one. He took it all. He didn't pick and choose. He didn't put it on a scale. He took everything. So he wiped it all away. So Romans 6, if you want to go to Romans 6, 10, it says, for death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Again, Jesus died for all sins over all time. He didn't put them on a scale, like I said. He didn't pick and choose and say, well, you know what, that one I can't do. No, he did it all. 
So the truth for, uh, for those who repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, our sins are forgiven. All of them for those who have put their trust in our Lord Jesus. Maybe there are some of us who assume we have messed up way too much with our family or done so many things that it's too awful to be forgiven or forgive. So you avoid Jesus. Just totally avoid him. Because you know you don't deserve forgiveness. And you assume Jesus would never give it to you. But he did. We have this huge, huge God with John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Okay, that's all of us. And what did he do? He sent his one and only son for all of us. Okay? Doesn't matter what we've done. He's taken it and he's forgiven us. He died on the cross for us. So my heart's prayer as I was reading, just studying through this is that I hope hearing about what Jesus really offers gives you hope for you and your family because ultimately that's what it boils down to. He forgave us. So now what? We're going to jump to Colossians. It's still in the New Testament. Should we do a sword drill? Just see if you guys could do that. <laughs> in children's, we do sword drills where we say a verse and then we have a race to see who could find it. Would you guys like to do that this morning? Okay. <laughs> All right. So in Colossians, Paul puts forgiveness in the context of our relationships with one another. And this is one of my most favorite, favorite, favorite verses of all times. Um, Colossians 3.13 says this, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything. Oh, sorry, I'm going to 14. So, is forgiveness forgiven, how many times is that in that verse? I think it's like three. I mean, that really stands out to me, like forgive, right? Forgive. So I'm going to break that down a little bit more. Bear with each other, the first part of the verse. Means to be humble and to be patient with whoever, whoever has offended you. Be humble and be patient. You know, we can bear with people without having to join in their stuff, right? We can bear with them. Like, it doesn't mean we have to keep joining them and being around it. But God calls us to bear with one another. It just basically means you quit holding on so tightly to everything they do or have done. Because once you let go of that, forgiveness will set you free. So, for instance, say I have, like, this backpack on my back, and... I'm just going to use my husband because he's not here. So <laughs> Sean did something, and I kind of irked me a little bit, so then I put a rock in my backpack. And then the day goes on, and then he kind of did something else, and I put another rock in my backpack. And then maybe the next day he did something else. I didn't really say anything, but I'm starting to get a little annoyed. And I put another rock in my backpack. All of a sudden, my backpack is getting really heavy because I'm holding on to the stuff that he's done right? And so all of a sudden it gets really, really heavy. But then when I approach him, which I should have done before the first rock, and we talk and there's forgiveness, it's like that you're set free. 
Because forgiveness means overlooking the grievance and restoring a bond of love. It does not mean justifying their action or accepting it as right, nor does it mean justifying my own reaction. Forgiveness means laying aside our judgments of the other person and our own sinful reactions and accepting others for who they are. That's a big one. Accepting others for who they are. So for instance, um, sorry, I'm going to go on to the next one. <laughs> Forgive whatever grievances. That's the next part in that verse. Don't pick and choose what to forgive. Don't put them on a scale. I know some hurts hurt, and some hurts are more serious than others. Some family members or certain people are easy, easily to forgive than others. But I believe this phrase, forgive whatever grievances, Paul is urging us to get rid of that scale altogether. Just take it away. Don't, you know, zero to ten. Don't put it on a scale. Just completely forget about it. And I know for me personally, like when my parents got divorced when I was five, talking about it's easier to forgive one than the other, it was easier for me to forgive my mom than my dad. I don't know why. But then God really got a hold of me and said, no, wait a second here. You, you got to forgive both of them. But it was always easier to forgive. And what that verse is saying is, whatever grievance, whatever it is, don't put it on the scale, just forgive. So the next part of the verse says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Guess what? God forgives you. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah? Okay, awesome. <laughs> so if he forgives you, guess what we should do? We, yeah, we should forgive others. Even when it's really, really hard. Because let's face it, it's hard to forgive people, isn't it? Especially when they've hurt us. It's hard. Really hard. And here's the other thing. Accept that you, you're you are, for a given, you are a forgiven person for those who have put their trust in Jesus. So guess what? If you're a believer, you're a forgiven person. So why wouldn't you forgive somebody else? Because forgiven people forgive. That's what it's about. Forgiven people forgive. So when, I, when I've been hurt and I think about forgiveness and it's hard, what should I do? I have four things that I'm trying to do. The first one is this. I will not think about what happened. I won't think about it. I will not bring up what happened again and use it against that person that hurt me. That's hard. But I'm trying that. The next one is, I will not talk to others about what happened. Because I believe if you've been hurt and you say, yep, I've forgiven you, but then you go tell your friend about it or go tell someone else down the street about it, doesn't really mean you've, you've forgiven because you're still holding on. The fourth one is, I will not allow what happened to stand between whoever I had the conflict with or hinder our personal relationship. Okay? Because forgiveness frees us, right? In Colossians 3.14, it says this, and above, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Put on love. How do we do that? Just put like a heart jacket on or something? Just kidding. <laughs> when you think about it, love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. It is the ultimate secret to diffusing conflict. 
Love trumps it all. Here's the cool thing about love and God. God still loves me when I'm crabby, when I'm selfish, when I'm annoyed, when I'm sinful, and when I want to go to bed and just forget about everything. He still loves me. That's huge. That is really huge. That's a huge God. He sent his perfect son to give up his life for me. That is like so amazing, isn't it? Is that amazing? Yes, that's amazing. And guess what? I don't even deserve it. But he did that for me, and he did that for you guys. And I'm so thankful that he did, because I don't know where I'd be. So when I think about forgiveness, I think about forgiven people forgive and to pass that on, meaning say someone has disobeyed you um, or has hurt you really bad, pray. I'd go straight to prayer. Because the deal is, I've disobeyed and hurt somebody too. So the more I think about it, if God has forgiven me for that, I can go forgive somebody else. Why? Because forgiven people forgive. Can we just say that all together? Forgiven people forgive. It's huge. Okay. So here's the deal. Family, this is my hair. Family are the people who know you best, right? Would you say yes? Your family knows you the best, okay? They're close. They know how to push your buttons, right? Would you say so? Yep. And sometimes you are so close to them that they can actually really hurt you bad. Like I said, right? They hurt you the most. It is unfortunate that there are so many families that are hindered by broken relationships, unresolved conflict, and unforgiven hurt. I think the big thing, like in our family, is if um, Sean and I have a nice heated discussion, right? Let's <laughs> put it out there. Argument and um, energetic conversation. There you go, okay? <laughs> we have this heated discussion, energetic conversation, and the kids see it. Sometimes they do. I think the most important thing is, is when you... Um, when I ask my husband to forgive me, and then also we both share that with the kids as well. We let them know that we have forgiven each other. I think that's huge. And, and you'll see it in your family because then you'll see your kids starting to ask each other for forgiveness or I have forgiven you. That's huge. Um, because especially when God gave us a perfect example of how to forgive as he sent his son to die for us, and that example gives us strength to let things go. Don't hold on to that backpack of rocks. Don't hold on to the grudges that have hurt us. Don't do it. It's easier said than done. But again, if you go back to what Jesus did for us, forgive him, people, forgive. So stop judging what's fair. Stop measuring other people's offenses on a scale. The next time you get mad at your kids, or maybe your husband's wife's, maybe you're hurt by your parents, or you're just frustrated with your siblings, your tendency will be to think only about why you shouldn't forgive and let go, because we hurt. Instead, focus on Jesus. 
what he's done for you. That's the ultimate focus. That's what we need to do. Focus on Jesus. Experience his forgiveness. Embrace it. Be grateful for it because forgiven people forgive. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you um, this morning and we just, we just thank you for what you did for us, that you sent your perfect son to die on the cross for us and that he's alive today and that you show us the prime example of how to forgive even when we've been hurt really bad. Lord, I just pray for everyone that's in this room um, that um, when they're hurt that they can forgive and that they don't put offenses on a scale because you've taken that scale away. So we just give you this day, and we thank you, thank you, thank you that you love us. In your son's name, amen.